Welcome to BitStorm, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Trevor Scott, and with me, as always, is Ben Slinger. Uh, yeah, I am Ben Slinger, and uh, welcome to the show. Mm-hmm. What are we doing tonight, Trev? I'm not sure. Probably going to do some click pitch. Yeah. Maybe chuck a what three words, given that I've incorporated it into our random word generator discord bot look let's just i seem to just grab everything and just incorporate it into this just, bot so that we don't have to go anywhere else let's just mix it up you know what you need to do next for the bot is put in a command that just gives you a random source something from a random source it could be a movie it could be uh uh what three words it could be a, a click pitch cool okay so the name of the game at the moment is ramped up click pitch where mm-hmm. we each have two words an adjective and a noun we're on the count of three two one we're gonna click we're gonna get our words throw them at each other come up with a game design when that doesn't work we throw it away yeah let's do it three, two, one, click. One click abandoned northern delightful caveat Delightful caveat. Okay. So, I mean, Abandoned Northern definitely gave me just like a snow-covered cabin in the north kind of vibe to it. Yeah, but the the idea of Abandoned also gave me an idea of like a nuclear winter sort of thing of maybe the whole north is is sort of mm. irradiated and you're trying, you're trying to get out of this area, but you've been snowed in for, for too long and it's you know, starting to affect- Hmm. Hmm. Could this be kind of a, a, a Stardew Valley-esque game, but set in a post-apocalyptic snow-covered wasteland? So, Stardew Valley, irradiated wasteland. Um, do Every morning when you get up, do you put your overalls on, then you put your radiation suit on- That's it. And I- you go outside, and yellow snow isn't always what you think it is. Like, sometimes you go out there and you check it out and it's like, no, someone's just pissed here. Yeah, as opposed to the yellow cake uranium. Being, being. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of like that idea rather than the classic, you know, of what so many games are doing when they kind of copy Stardew Valley. It's like, oh, you've got a, a neat little town and there's all these people there and you get to know them and you have to do different stuff. Even if they're putting a different spin on it, like something like Graveyard Keeper where there's, you know, you're actually dealing with bodies and body parts and stuff. I, I kind of like this idea that, no, you start off and you're just by yourself and <laughs> it is somewhat survival-ish, but it is around, you know, maybe you've got an area where the radiation hasn't hasn't reached or you can put up some some sort of barriers that, like, will let you start to grow stuff. Um, but the levels of radiation in the ground will, like, affect the plants and they'll mutate and yeah. different things like that. And, and you, you know, your, your ever-trustful cat dog, um, you know, is- is running yeah. around before you know, before the disaster. You had two pets, but now they've somehow fused uh, into one. Fused into now one. it's not it's not the lovable cat dog from Nickelodeon. This is a rather grotesque, grotesque, being. demonic thing. You know, John Carpenter's John Carpenter's the thing sort of creation. <laughs> it just sits in the corner, kind of moaning, and you just have to take care of it and feed and water it. Yeah, yeah. It's got a little patch and of if fur. It gets, if it gets nice and strong, it can actually help defend your um, mm. defend your property from I do, the yeah. massive irradiated bears. I like the idea of bringing in some defense stuff for sure. Well, you know, you you if you do well enough with your planting and you and you you know you plant the Venus flytraps just on the edge of of like some of the radiation they actually can grow quite large and monstrous yeah i i like the idea of 
because the big thing in this in this in those growing games, essentially those farming games, is you know you gather your ingredients and you've got to water them and whatever. But I like I like the idea that you start to learn the mutations essentially of different plants. So it's like if you grow it in an in a non irradiated area, it'll grow normally and you can grow food or you can grow whatever. But you start to experiment and find that oh yeah, if I grow this bean you know bean stalk. Uh, in, you know, with, with 70% irradiation, then it actually becomes a creature that will wrap its stalks and hold onto any invaders and, and choke, mm. choke the life out of them, uh, or, or, or whatever. Um, I'm, I'm almost picturing like, um, it's too dangerous to go out at night. Mm-hmm. All the day is all about, you know, setting up your protections for night and all this sort of stuff. And when it comes to night, you you kind of barricade yourself in. You set yourself up in front of the fire with a nice cup of hot chocolate and a shotgun. Yeah, like you're sort of drinking that. You're sitting there, scared. You're listening. You're wait. You're listening to to the sounds outside of your plants. You know, taking out as many things as they can. And if you start to hear banging on the door, then you know they've got past your defenses. And yeah. it's time or to defend yourself. the sheriff has come to town to let you know that everything's not, not so bad. Well, but- then, then, okay, well, I think I think that when you do actually meet other humans, that has to be a big event then. I, I think okay. it's that you're by yourself. You're literally, you're, you're isolated here. You don't know if anyone else in the world is even alive. And so, after, you know, a good, whatever, few weeks or months of gameplay time and learning the ropes of running this place by yourself, then- whether it's whether it's due to exploring out, like because you've you know managed to build and craft yourself yourself more protection to go out for you know venture further or go faster or you know vehicles or whatever that you then run into other people or after a certain amount of time or a certain event like someone finds their way to your settlement. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, do you think it's like a sheriff slash librarian that is kind of merged together? Um, so, like your cat dog, they used to be two yeah, people. Yeah, kind of like a, they used to be two people. It's kind of like the sh- it's mainly the sheriff, but the librarian's on the shoulder sort of saying, your books are late. <laughs> that's all. That's the only <laughs> sentience left in this librarian is when it sees a book, it like checks to see if it's late or not. So, I suppose as far as a gameplay is concerned, what are the goals of the game? What are you, what are you trying to get out of this? <laughs> Uh, your goals, I th- I mean, I think like Stardew, like a Stardew Valley game, it's, it's to sort of get your, your harvesting up to the point where you've got nice, nice farmland, nice clear areas to, uh, to continue your, your crops going. I don't know if we go to the level of automation, that might be going a bit too complex. I think it's more just, I, I mean, I guess, I guess where it comes down to is where, where is the economy in this? Like, what does growing things in excess, like, obviously you grow things for survival, but once you start growing yep. things to excess, is it that by then you have got in contact with like trade caravans or like you, you know enough about some of the other people out there that you can start to trade? Or is it, is it things like, you know, if, if you grow enough fucking mutated blueberries, then it keeps the bears away. And so, you know, there's it's adding protection. It's adding yep. to your to your ability to survive in different ways than just eating them. Essentially, yeah. Um, I kind of like the idea that you're all set for food, but what you're in danger of is like the flaming, you know, irradiated bears coming up and actually setting your log cabin on fire. So it's all about you know stopping that from happening. Um, so you think that they're so irradiated, they're just spontaneously. 
combust, catch yeah, on fire. Yeah. It, it's it's kind of like um, if you remember Left Dead, where you had the boomers that mm-hmm. you know they get up close to you and explode and cover you in all that stuff. That's pretty much what happens with the bears. They run up to your cabin and they just explode and fire goes everywhere. And you know they need to get a lot of fire in there because it's the wet the wood is pretty wet from all the snow. <laughs> right. Look, I think that's just one of the challenges then of of dealing with the different enemy types, right? And that maybe you do have, you know, again, certain types of plants, you learn the recipes, you, you're you buying recipes off people. They're like, oh, like here's three, you know, irradiated mutation versions. If you, if you plant them in this soil and irradiate it this much, then you get this variant, which can like put out fires or something like it's, <laughs> you know, it sucks, sucks moisture up from the ground and sprays it onto any nearby flames. Cool. <laughs> All right. Okay. Three, two, one, click. Yeah. Warmed punch. Liquid tearing. Okay. So, what is in the punch? That was where my mind went, was yeah. some liquid sort of punch, spiked yep. punch. At- Ooh, warm liquid punch. Look, it's To, it's to like me, that, that's like- Warmed spiced punch at some really terrible, like, school dance. Oh, I'm, I'm just imagining that it's been hours since the ice has all met. It melted and all this other stuff, and it's just this warm, sickly liquid. But people are still drinking. Is this like, then? Is this a story? Is this a game set across the evening at like a school dance? Like, I guess if you're yeah, in, Ameri- I, I in America, like, like a, a prom winter formal or, or something formal, like that. Yeah, because I mean, maybe that maybe that's why it's warm because it's a winter formal. Like, it kind of brings it brings it in that you know they thought mm. that a spi- a spiced. Um, sort of well, no, ginger I, no, beer I, I, sort I of like thing. The idea, I like the idea of it staying that it's like the ice- Because I kind of like the idea of almost uh, visualizing the passage of time across the night by how much ice is left in the punch. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and also involving the punch in some way. Like, it definitely gets spiked at some point in the evening. Uh, mm-hmm. And that drives the story to some degree, you know. So, do you think you play a student- or do you think you play like a chaperone teacher? I like the idea of playing a chaperone. Yeah. And, and you sort of, I know that we have done a game in the past where, you know, the chaperone sort of gets in between the, yeah, the we teenagers. Did, we and specifically from- did a like stop them from dancing too close. I think this is a bit um, more narrative based and like events yeah. across the night that you're involved in. Yeah. And, and it's like, this is, you know, what else could go wrong in the, in this night? All you're trying to do is make sure that the kids have a, have a nice, happy time. And there's just you know ruffians that are that are you know riding their riding their motorbike motorcycles through the um the basketball courts outside. Yep. So you got to sort of get rid of them, and then you come back inside, and something else has happened, and you keep on ba- basically getting pulled away from chaperoning the actual party. Yeah, and so you're not actually seeing you know the punch gets spiked, or you know the ba- the band frontman get punched in the face by. Yep. By like- the basketball ring get ripped down, you know, because it's in the school gym or yeah. the- Yeah. I do like that idea I- that every time you come back, there's just, like, some new thing that's happened that you're just- Yeah. You've just missed, essentially. You're seeing the aftermath of. Yeah. Yeah, that that's cool. And, and, and it's, like, these amazing things that everyone's going, oh, my God, you won't believe what happened. And it's, like- <laughs> <laughs> Where, yeah, and you're outside, like- Dealing with, you know, fucking- Dealing with the raccoons that got into the bins. And yeah, you're just like- just showing them off. Dealing with the AV club kids who all threw up after, you know, drinking the spike punch Drinking or the spike punch, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> so what sort of game? Uh, I mean, it strikes me sort of as a an adventure game of sorts, whether it's sort of classic point and click or you could go uh, um, a, a bit I do different. Like, I do like the idea of, of a classic point and click and sort of like the first thing that sort of comes up that you as a chaperone have to do is like the potential prom queen accidentally tears her dress. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing that you're doing is you're sort of calming her down. You you sort of maybe you're the home ec teacher and you you sort of you know you're or doing you just a go bit off of- to the lost and found. It's like yeah, I'm yeah. sure we've got something we can replace for you. <laughs> oh look, we've got a lovely prom dress here in the lost and found. <laughs> <laughs> oh this is yeah, I think this was actually uh, Miss Miss O'Hanley's dress from uh, last prom when she got a little bit uh, into that spike punch, but uh, it looks like it'll fit you. But yeah, I think I think that you know is a is a good jumping off point that you know you sort of you get to know the teacher character is is you know calm, they're they're um, caring about the students and they really care about the students having a good night. And- yeah. And then just having to go out it's, and do- It's very much a cliche to, to you know, have the, the teacher be a hard ass or just be useless or whatever. Like, I think they, they're, they're capable, uh, but the night just keeps getting away from them in these, in these yeah. various ways. Yeah. And, and I think exploring then, because you want to get to know some of the students as a player mm-hmm. uh, and their relationship with the teacher, you know, whether they like him or not- um, and also then just getting a sense of, like, the social dynamics in the school. But, yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm just picturing particularly- I'm actually picturing, like, a classic 2D retro-ish point and click in a way where every time you come back to that, you know, large prom scene, the large gym scene, there's just different yep. animations of different characters happening in all sorts of places and you notice different background stuff has changed. And Yeah, I- I'm seeing it as, as like, a, a Thimbleweed Park slash- um, yeah. Maniac Mansion, where the 2D scene goes for quite a while, so yep. you're sort of able to walk yeah, walk along. Exactly. There's a couple of different exits that you can go through. Yes. Because um, then, yeah, to- I love- Because then you can do some really good reveals as you come back and the screen pans across to, like, you know, the centre where the stage is. And, yeah, instead of when you left, the band was playing, and when you come back, like- the- There's just a tortoise. <laughs> just yeah, a tortoise. Sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, like, it's the crazy- It's like- Oh my god, why is there a tortoise on stage and why is everyone cheering? Tortoise, tortoise, <laughs> tortoise. I love the idea that something like that lit doesn't get explained until like the end as well, like right at the end of the game, it all becomes yeah. clear. That'd be good. I like that actually. That's that's a good setting for and you wouldn't that's actually a good setting for a relatively small adventure game. Well, like in the amount of scenes you'd need, you know, you don't necessarily need hundreds. You yeah, you can you can keep You're on going back to the car them. park. You can go back. You can go out to the science you know, room, the principal's office. The, you can go yeah, to the, the science the room and then yeah. and come back come back to the um, gymnasium. And every time you come back to the gymnasium, it's just slightly different. Like you can just put different things around everything. Yeah, and like, then you're like you're looking at all those things and finding out new stuff, and and you're seeing different people in there in different situations, and that will often, you know, kick off the next chain of puzzles or whatever, or the next sort of act of the of the game. But, yeah, that's really cool. I like that a lot. Okay. Let's go again. Three to one click. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Doomed compliment. Prescribed lasting. Doomed compliment is- Interesting. Yeah, it's it's like a juxtaposition, isn't it? It's like, ooh. <laughs> well, yeah, like that giving someone a compliment would then somehow set you or them on the path to some sort of peril or disaster. Destruction or, yeah. Yeah. 
And what were your words again? Sorry. Prescribed lasting. Prescribed lasting. Ooh, so I'm thinking that this is a lasting compliment. You know, it's one of those sort of things that really sticks with you and it's almost a backhanded compliment. You know, it's sort of like something that's okay. something that was always doomed to sort of come back at you. All right. I'm trying to I'm trying to think how we bring this into gameplay. Like we could definitely just come up with a story where something like this happens and that kicks off and it, you know uh, the narrative but i'm almost wondering if there's something here around like simulating people's moods in a t- in a town as these people walk around and choosing the right spot to like give a compliment because then people's moods like affect everyone's moods around them but if something bad happens their mood got like i don't do you know what i mean like yeah okay so i think your main character is a pharmacist, hence the prescribed sort of thing comes into it. Uh-huh. And um, he gives what he considers a compliment to a bikey who's come in. Okay. Um, I, I just- I'm, I'm seeing that, you know, bikies can can be, you know, kind of hard and mean, but also kind of, you know, a bit soft. Well, if you I mean, to, yeah, there's definitely- Get the, to know the, them and all this sort the of stuff. The cliche there of the-, the- you yeah. know, compassionate bikey essentially being but, but the idea of of like what you think is a compliment of you know saying something about his bike about how how good it is when it turns out that something is some word that you actually said basically triggered him that you know that the the bike is actually only a loner bike and his real bike is actually not quite as good as like maybe maybe you said oh you know, I oh, I love the Harley Davidson. At least you don't have a Suzuki or something like that. And <laughs> you know, it turns out that okay, you know, it's it's like a doomed sort of thing from from that yeah. perspective. And it sort of sets. So, off do this- we follow the bikey then, or are we follow like what's the? <laughs> is this a, is this a game that you essentially you are following a string of compliments? So you you play the pharmacist. Ooh, and then is, the pharmacist gives the bikey where, this- where the whole game you're following the bikey, right? Okay, but you play all the other characters that are interacting with the bikey. Oh, all right. So is it sort of little vignettes or something, and then the bikey shows little up? vignettes, and then yeah. So so it's basically you know you're going through. Uh, you can maybe link link these characters like the pharmacist and like the librarian and and like these other the these sheriff. other sort of people, and but the the idea of you know, being able to actually have these sort of vignettes, your main character is actually the bikey, mm-hmm. but you don't realise that until after you go through like two or three of these scenes and you realise, hang on, why we're always following this bikey. Mm. We're only playing the um, the NPCs, as it were, like mm-hmm. in this game. You're almost um, getting that sense of maybe you've got some prejudices against this bikey just because of the way he looks, sort of thing. Um, like the sheriff immediately thinks he's up to no good, and like. So we, I guess it comes like, what what do you do as each character is it sort of dialogue stuff, and you're just sort of playing through it in that way, and like making some some dialogue choices. Um, you make some dialogue choices um, as the pharmacist. You're you're filling out the bikey's prescription, so you're having to do like the mini game of. Of going ahead and and right. you know yeah, so you give them putting some all little, these pills into the basket. You give them some little things to do. I do very much like this idea of essentially following this bikey's story, yeah, via these NPCs. And like some of them might not even directly interact with him. It's like you you're someone else in the laundromat, and you see the bikey come. You're in. having a conversation with someone else yeah. about 
like something is going on. He comes in and talks to some other guy, or just and like, walks out, or you know, like, throws some stuff in the in the laundry and and leaves. You know, puts in two hours worth of coins and leaves. And you can go over and you can see what's in there and try to glimpse through to figure out what's going on here. <laughs> Maybe you get a sense. You, you look see in like there a and you see toy his, or something. You or- see his helmet just going around, and you're like, "What? Why is he washing his helmet?" <laughs> but yeah, I like the idea of of. of and maybe we even jump around in time yeah, so that you can have a moment like that. And then you jump to, you know, earlier that morning when he got his coffee and you're playing the barista. And as he walks out the door, you see, like, he trips over a dog and spills coffee all into his helmet or whatever, you know, right? Yep. Like, you sort of, you see some of those connections. But again, yes, you're only seeing them via these NPCs and you get you, you still have to do the little mini games like <laughs> via these PCs. I mean, is really what you what you're doing because you're yeah. you're playing these other characters. The main character is an NPC basically um, yeah. of the story, yeah. So then I think that there is a way that you could actually tell like a a pretty interesting story and keep the player interested in what's going on in the background, but also keep them interested in what each of these characters like. You can maybe go back to the um back to the pharmacist who then interacts with like one of the other. Well, yeah, I think you have some intertwining stuff there as well. Where yeah, like you were playing the pharmacist, and uh, but next you play like the nurse who has to go to the pharmacy. An emergency to be like pick up a prescription for someone who's coming or what you know something like that or the dentist yep. like the dental assistant or something. <laughs> we won't make you play a dentist. It's all right. That we wouldn't be that good. Evil. God, um, but you might scared have to- me for a second. Yeah, but but yeah, like because then I can once the player has you know noticed that thread of the bikey coming through. As they get to a new character, they're going to be like, oh, okay, they're going to be keeping an eye out for it. Like, that's going to be going to be the fun of it. How does this tie into the main story? And and yeah, the main like- story is obviously, you know, there, there may be your your whole thing in this is um, trans- transfer all the clothes from the washing machine into the dryer while having this conversation. You're also looking in the background trying to eavesdrop and, and mm. hear, like, get into the right position so you can hear what's happening in the in the. Do you think this is VR? Conversation. Ooh, yeah, I kind because of then do like that idea. Then the for one, the the mini games will just be a little bit more fun because everything's yeah. more fun in VR. And so, you know, doing the coffee, it might just be give you, giving you directions of like, you know, grab the the coffee whatever thing and hook it into the espresso machine and like press these buttons and do the milk. But yes, yeah, so answer these questions and yeah, like you still you have know. to do dialogue stuff and like look at the customers or they start getting mad at you or whatever. But at the same time, there's essentially just this like scene playing out that, um, you know, and, and then, the, and then the bikey does come up and it's like, okay, you'd have to interact with them as well, but you have to observe the customers in front for him to get to the front of the line. Right. Like, and depending on how well you did depends on how irate he is. Like, yeah, you might get wanting to do is. Yeah. Might get some branching dialogue at least or some different things there based on how well you've done. And then, yeah, it, like, sucks you out of that head and puts you into another one. And I think in some places there's there are clocks that you can see, like, what time it might be. Some places there aren't. And you just kind of just have to go by, like, the sunlight outside yep. or different things there, you know, to, to figure out, oh, what order are these things happening in? You're almost like quantum leaping around this town to solve the problem of the bikey. <laughs> yeah, and and effectively, like you can come back to this whole thing of you know the the bikey was actually feeling like he was worthless, mm. 
and and you know depending on your interactions with him as all the different npcs you can actually maybe increase his morale sort of throughout the day like even though all these things sort of start happening and well yeah particularly if we're doing it at a time i like that you can you can kind of pull a fast one a bit where you imply early on that this guy is violent and an asshole in some ways because like he broke something here or he you know he snapped at someone over here but then when you jump back you see like oh no like people have been treating him like shit and there are some sort of reasons for why this is happening or like this was actually a misunderstanding and yeah bring a bit more humanity into it and sort of have it be a tale of oh don't like don't treat people based on the way they look and their first and your first impression exactly i i know i just I really like this. And you saying VR sort of brings me back to my son has been playing a lot of mm. uh, Job Simulator recently. Yeah. And, like, it's such a such a cool, weird game. But then to add a little bit of story in there and- That's it. I think having that thread through where, yeah, basically it would sort of be a jump- Like, the actual gameplay itself would kind of be Job Simulator-esque where you're just doing these simple tasks and- trying to match, you know, the right things to make the right, you know, coffee or to fulfill the, the prescription or whatever. Um, yeah, empty the laundry basket into the thing. But- Yeah. Yeah, you've just got Separ- this- Separate whites and colours yeah. sort of thing. You've just got this <laughs> like- throughput. You've just got this through line of this character. Yeah. That's really cool. All right. Three to one click. Yeah. Romantic debt. Dependent delta. So, my- <laughs> Putting all those in my head, and I don't know if this is where we can go because I don't know if there's a game here, but some sort of romantic gesture sending a kid on an expensive plane flight on Delta Airlines <laughs> for some sort of romantic gesture reason. That's that's where my mind went on that because they're, the, they're your dependent. <laughs> it's like as a Valentine's gift, you've you've sent- you sent your girlfriend's kid on a flight ac- across across you know the United States and back again so that you get some time alone. <laughs> Something exactly, yeah, and it's really expensive. Puts you into oh, debt. God. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a game there. Um. <laughs> okay, Delta. Delta Force, dependent, kid, kid Delta Force. <laughs> With a romantic liaison happening between, I don't know, two between Star members Cross lovers. The, 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 le- the leader of the Delta Force and the leader of the opposition fall in love. <laughs> um, Like the person they're supposed to be killing or something? Yeah. What is Delta Force? Is that actually a thing? Or- yeah, Chuck Norris was in a film called Do- Delta Force, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah, but, I mean, is it just the name for a group or is there a real thing? Okay. Delta Force. There is There is specifically a Delta Force within the US Army. Mm-hmm. I don't really want to do the US Army, so. Let's click again. Three to one click. Hostile chat. Causal amp. For some reason, I'm picturing, like, this chat is, a, is occurring on, like, a, a cold, rainy afternoon. Okay. Um- I'm thinking that it's set in a diner. Okay. Right? Yep. Uh, so, just a small, like, small diner in the middle of nowhere. Uh, these two people sort of come in and maybe you're playing a note, the waitress or 
or the cook behind the scenes sort of thing, and you keep on hearing these little things happening. Could this be in a in a similar vein to something like Life is Strange or the upcoming game 12 Minutes? This is I thought you were going to say, and the upcoming game, Life is Strange 3? <laughs> no. <laughs> is this a time loop game? Okay, yep. Where essentially you're playing this conversation over and over, but obviously because of uh, things that you know from earlier loops, you can alter the conversation into different pathways. Mm-hmm. And then perhaps, yeah, at certain at some point, like, something else happens in the diner. Like, someone starts to choke or, you know, essentially, or you know, the, these- the cook, um, you know, gets rather badly burnt from, like, a fryer fire. Yeah. You know these things that are going to happen then at certain points as you get further and further through. Like, I almost feel like you don't maybe even make it through. Or, like, things, things happen that end the conversation earlier. Like, yep. the very first loop. You know, I'm, I'm picturing this as maybe like a relationship chat, like a breakup or something, or it's a, a discussion yeah. about a relationship and- You accidentally pour coffee in their laps or and just, it or, stops the whole conversation. Well, or just that if essentially given nothing, given- Given no other inputs, they break up with you and leave and the conversation ends. But then you find yourself walking into the diner again. And so, this time you can kind of know like, oh, then, you know, because of something they said about why they're why they're breaking up with you or, you know, and maybe they're mistaken about something that happened, right? Like, maybe they think you're cheating on them. Like, it's a misunderstanding kind of situation. Because I don't want to go into like, oh, you convinced them to stay when you've been a shitty person or something like that. I think it's- yeah. I think it's they think you're cheating on them. They leave. It's done. And but yeah, like you, you can preempt them this time, and so that expands the conversation. And it, it like then you actually get to discuss it a little bit back and forth. But then at a certain point in that conversation, oh yeah, like there's a there's a fire. Um, and so th- whether that then ends the conversation or it's just there's a particular branch there. But then next time, because you know the fire is going to happen, you can like first go over there and like. I don't know. Fix the fire extinguisher. Yeah, and, fix the fire. You know, make yeah, sure it's something actually like that. Going to going to work because you know you can't stop the fire, but at least this time by preempting the conversation. And each time you go back, I kind of don't want it to be that, as you said, that you know you are trying to um, get this person to stay with you, and yes, you have been a shitty person. And yeah, kind I of- think it's more about. Gaslighting them into, no, into the whole idea exactly. that you're going to be better this time, and no, 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 exactly. I don't, I don't want it to be that. I, I, I think it's it- why I almost like it that it was a like a third person, like a, a bystander who, you know, well, is sort of maybe, maybe almost a guardian angel stakes. helping this chat along. Maybe I, I think what you could do, I, I do, I do more like the idea. I think of you being one of the people in the relationship, just because of the stakes behind it and that sort of thing than being sort of immediate to you. But, like, I agree, like, one of those time loop things, and there's some problematic shit in Groundhog Day around this and a lot of other ones, where it's like, oh, you, like, learn everything about this person to convince them to love you or whatever. And this could be a similar thing where it's like, oh, you, like, preempt all their answers to get them to stay with you. I think it's I think it's more nuanced than that. I think it's that they come into this ready to break up with you over a misunderstanding because you're able to like clear that up it it prompts a larger talk about the relationship as a whole and maybe it doesn't end with you getting back together but it's more of a introspective 
kind of communicative it, it thing. In a mutual, a mutual breakup in the end because you kind of realise that maybe you aren't meant to be together. And yeah, exactly. Like it's a bit more introspective of that of just oh, if you know, when we communicate about these things, like we can come to a better mutual understanding of each other and respect each other, and you know that that's where it ends up. But yes, it does so via all these moments that otherwise would essentially force the conversation to end in some other way. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm imagining one of the ways is, like, your partner is allergic to, like, cherries or something like that, mm-hmm. and they order the apple pie, and you know that there happens to be a cherry just on the second bite. You do something to make sure that they don't eat that cherry this time, and then, you know, they get annoyed at you for, for stealing their food. Again, it's one of their pet peeves against you, and that yeah. starts up another conversation. Exactly, You're yeah. always stealing my food, and but you're doing this because- you're trying to save them from not yeah. actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that sort of thing. I, I like that that sort of idea and just, uh, yeah, playing again with that time loop idea, but in a bit of a, a different way. Um, I'm just wondering if if kind of like the um, kind of like the Groundhog Day, you can sort of come in and, you know, sort of take take the register and sort of run out run out the door with it and you walk into the next one. <laughs> so like, I think you can, can just do- I think you can throw things in there that just, yes, essentially immediately end the loop uh, in some fucked up weird way. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that'd be pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Cool. Three, two, one, click. Seventh affection. Hilarious lavatory. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hilarious lavatory's got a, got some uh, potential there. <laughs> okay, it's a comedy club and it's set in the bathroom. Okay, yeah, yep, that's cool. So that kind of that kind of gives you the idea as to you know, um, it's almost you play the kind toilet. of like <laughs> well, you play the fly on the wall in the toilet. You get to. Get to sort of view all these. <laughs> I do like the idea of actually playing a literal fly, uh, and you can fly around and and view this this from any point in this toilet. But every time you try to escape, like the door closes on you or whatever, like you can't actually get out of this room. And yeah, you sort of, I guess, you start seeing these things unfold. I've got this whole thing about not being the main focus of the game. Yeah, right that now. is a that is that is a bit of a a. a trend i think the challenge there and is keeping it interesting is keeping it interesting and having some sort of impact on the still having some impact on the story even though you're not playing sort of the main character i think that worked with the bikey game because Um, you were still interacting with him in some way but but okay i like the idea of it being set in the bathroom of of a of a comedy store style comedy club. Yeah. Um, you, you sort of come in and, um, you are playing maybe the, rather than being a fly on the wall, you're playing like the owner of the club. Mm-hmm. And like, obviously something's gone wrong tonight and you're trying, your character's kind of trying to, trying to talk to the second in charge and get them to sort of stand up and, and take some responsibility or something like that. Okay, and this comes up like while you're both washing your hands or something. Like, I, I I do like that idea a lot. I like the idea of limiting the scope and the setting of a game and the challenge that comes with that. You know, it feels like something we could actually do in like a seven day adventure game jam or something. Yeah. Um, how do you how do you realistically keep the story or keep the characters just in the bathroom? Well, what I think is that 
This is about their relationship, like, as in, when I say relationship, I don't necessarily mean that there's a, there's an actual romantic thing no, no, happening no, just, here, yeah. but it's, it's the business relationship of almost all the big decisions in, in the club's history have happened in this bathroom. And so, <laughs> okay. it's kind of like, um, the first time that it, that it happens, you know, you, you're maybe talking with this, this person in the bathroom and you're, you both kind of decide, that's it. Let's let's just buy this place. And so you know, are you sort saying of sets you, you off on the business? Oh, okay. So th- is this not set in like one continuous time? Not one continuous time, but maybe this is um, from when you take over the bathroom, or when you take over the club, and it's like <laughs> no, it just you, no, you start and you just take over the bathroom. The old owner has said, "All right, you want to own this club? Well, look, start with the bathroom. Show us what you can do with that." I'm just imagining, you know, the the different stories that that bathroom has sort of experienced over all this time and mm. just having it set in this one location and, you know, these people come in to, you know, cry when they're being booed off stage and, you know, they're feeling nauseous because they're, they're too scared to go up on stage yeah. and all this sort of stuff. Like, the the different stories that you could have and and your character being the owner of this place, you know, coming in and-, and you know, comforting these people and, and, you know, making sure that they feel good and you kind of get the feeling as to yeah all the different things that are actually going on in this club from, yeah, this one location. I do like, I do like that. I like that. And I like how you could, because there's a lot, there's a lot you could communicate just by, you know, the door opening, you're hearing, yeah, you're hearing like jeering coming from outside and someone runs in crying or like- And then the door closes and it's, and it cuts softened. it off. Yeah, it's softened. And it, you know, you can't hear it. Yeah, but- And then, yeah, like having some conversation happen there or, you know, they get a quiet moment to themselves and then someone else comes in and there's something or- Because you could re- tell some really interesting stories there where you see that same character later and you're hearing the cheering, like, the way because they've made it at that point or- I kind of like the idea that this occurs over seven scenes, kind of bringing in your seventh- Yep. Affection sort of sort of thing, but these these scenes actually, you know, some of them go on for a little bit longer yeah. than what you what you sort of think, um, and it's kind of like a visual novel, but it's um, you do get some agency in in what you can choose to. Choose well, to again, sort of I'm do. very much I'm very much picturing it again as as like a old school adventure game almost because I'm picturing you can just have the one view. Basically, and I think I think you're right. I think you do seven scenes, and maybe you set it over like seven years. Yeah, and so you see the changes in that bathroom over time. Yeah, but you also see that that nervous person who who came in the first time, who then got booed off stage, who's now coming in and getting rapturous applause, yeah. and and has really blossomed as a as like a a um, comedian. But then they're telling the owner that. You know, this club is too small for them now. And yeah. It's kind of like yeah. that, that heartbreak that the owners, you know, really, you know, helped them with their career. But now it's like this, this. Yeah. Kind of leaving, leaving them in their dust. Yeah. I, but I think- then, but then I like the idea that the, at the end, you know, it's sort of like this comedian sort of comes back and, and actually. Maybe they buy it from this owner or something. Like maybe, yeah, maybe maybe that can, a that can actually so maybe it's happen. Not, you might want to set it over a longer time. Maybe it's every two years or something. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's cool. I think the challenge here would obviously be your. It is very much like a visual novel at that point. Like there's not a lot of 
uh, you wouldn't be having a lot of puzzles and stuff. You'd, you'd be just doing some dialogue and different things. That's not a bad thing. No, uh, I, mean, I mean, really, visual I think, novels, really, visual I think novels this can would actually make quite big. Like this idea in general would probably make like a good play. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, single location story being told with these you know few characters. Um, but we're not a we're not a comedy improvised comedy uh, stage play stage play stage, play. stage writing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, screen, you know, um, podcasts. So we had to make so it into come, a video game. Come back next week where we change our career as yeah, um, we're gonna video pivot. game. We're gonna pivot, <laughs> pivot. To, we'll sell uh, tickets to our to our latest play and yeah, new stage right. <laughs> uh, no, the, but I, I just think that there could be a cool introspective story that just occurs throughout this whole this whole bathroom's life. That, you know, whereas bright and shiny at the start and sort of gets a little bit darker and dingier and then it's like at its worst when 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 this comedian comes in and sort of um you know maybe discusses purchasing it off of this guy and then you know it sort of goes to the the epilogue where the it's all clean, clean and not, yeah yeah i yeah. definitely think you you see the arc of this venue through how well the bathroom is being kept up and uh, graffiti it just starts appearing like the mirror's inside cracked the and doesn't and- get fixed and there's you know one of the toilets is out of order for you know four years or whatever i i, I do like the idea like um when you think of um well we were talking last week about um elite well i think it was last week elite beat agents where you mm. had like the little interstitial sort of um things that actually came up i like the idea of when when the door opens you you kind of go in comic book style of seeing the creek the door opens and you know you have that, that right. kind of comic book style just to get a bit of perspective different perspective just to give there. a bit of perspective and you can hear you know the crowd jeering in the background and then you know slam and the door the door sort of closes and you can have different angles within the bathroom but it's kind of like the the actual feeling of the bathroom changes over mm. over these different times yeah, yeah, I think uh, <laughs> essentially the bathroom is a character in this story. And well, it is. Changes over time. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think I think you you do a lot of environmental storytelling via uh, the bathroom itself, basically. That's awesome. Cool. Uh, hey, Ben. Yeah. What three words? Oh, all right. Let's jump back into some what three words. And uh, this, just to, to give people a, a, an idea very quickly- this is another way we, we get random prompts, and it is from what3words.com, uh, which splits the world up into three-meter-square things and assigns words to them. So, my three words are jobber, hiking, curvatures. I don't know what a jobber is. <laughs> One who jobs. Steve Jobber. <laughs> Steve Jobber. Of, uh, um, by a- the way, we're using Apple. the what3words API to get these today because I've I've come up with a way of- like randomly selecting a place in the world. So we're no longer having to go and manually select these words. They automatically come to us in a random fashion. Yep. So I have no idea where this where is in this the world. Is. Okay. Um, so hiking. Yes. Jobber. <laughs> hiking. Curvatures. So is this about like hiking so far that you like go over the horizon sort of thing? Like, is it around the curvature of the earth in some way? Ooh. Now, now I'm wondering whether, you know, you've always been told kind of like a Truman Show esque thing <laughs> where you don't, you don't, you don't go towards the horizon. Basically, you stay in this small little area 
and when you're hiking and you and you go, you know, away. So when you're looking back, you can't even see your your sort of area anymore. Like there's a big mountain near your mm. area, and it's gone gone around the curvature. I do like so- the idea of. Using the curvature as sort of a land, as sort of a, an indication of how far you've travelled. Yeah. So that, yes, you have- Maybe you're in a town that has, like, this giant tower or something, right? Yeah. Just in the middle of nowhere. And and how much of that tower you can see kind of shows how far away from this town you are um, in any particular direction. Now, I think that this is a smaller planet than Earth because I think this yes. is, this is on a separate world. So you're not having to go 33 kilometers or whatever to start seeing a, no. a difference in the in the height. But it's bigger than like a Mario Galaxy world, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's 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 somewhere in between the size of our world and Mario Mario Galaxy world. Uh, it's somewhere in the middle there, somewhere you know between there. So you can imagine. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's just something about that, that feeling of you've never been out of sight of this tower. Yeah. So this tower sort of goes off almost, um, satisfactory style, uh, space elevator up into space. So you can sort of see it, it goes really, really high. I think you need to be able to see the top though. Like, and I think there's yeah. a light or something, like there are lights up at that change in color or something or, yeah. you know, that, that, yeah, essentially you've been told- you must never be out of sight of this tower because yep. that means you've travelled too far from home. If you do, that's where you come across the jobbers. The jobbers. Now, now the jobbers are like the native, um, like, creatures on this planet, I think. And what the tower actually sort of radiates yep. is like an anti-jobber field. Yeah. It's uh, it kind of blows them away. It's kind of like um, a, it's it, kind of like a blowjobber. No, I was thinking more. Oh, it's more of- like a disembodied hand. Kind of like yeah, a, more a like a, a disembodied hand. Hand jobber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a hand jobber. Yeah, um, yeah. And right around the rim of this is where you'll meet the jobbers. Yes. <laughs> so essentially, is this like these are aliens of sorts that have t- come to terraform this place? Like, come to yeah, come to like. Well, colonize. you are playing one of the, one of the That's aliens what I mean. who's yeah. come to co- colonize. Yeah, they've come to colonize and they've set up this thing. How long have they been here then? Is this like a failed colonization mission, essentially, where they're like, okay, we made it here and we only have enough resources to, like, set up this one area and we haven't been able to push back these jobbers any further? You know, we, we've we done enough so that it's been- Because I'm thinking, you know, if you've grown up only knowing about this tower and this space, like, it's been multiple generations at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I'd I like the idea that you actually find like a um, satisfactory style. You actually find like a, a crashed um, other pod that mm-hmm. came down, mm. and you know it, it contains something, you know, really old technology. Like this is technology from your grandparents, or yeah. or you know something like that, which you know looks almost like you know two thousand sort of technology. But you know they they're using you know um, phones that have well. Screens that have no no backing to them and all this sort of stuff. They're the yep. clear sort of screens. Um, this is like an iPad slash tablet sort of thing um, that you can find out all this information on. But essentially, you're finding out that you know your grandparents or your great grandparents actually came to this planet to to colonize. Um, you're part of like another another um, another 
galactical fleet or something like that. And yeah, well, it's like some sort of course, some sort of seeding. You know, they're trying to seed the galaxy in some way from their their home planet, and they've sent these colony ships out to hundreds of other worlds. Um, But yeah, and, and maybe it's just that. They were so desperate, they didn't actually- Like, they didn't know what was on these planets. They had some sense that they'd support life. But you got to this planet and these jobbers were here, you know, Mm -hmm. the the native creatures. And, yeah, you find out essentially that, like, 95% of the colonists died trying to fight these off until they, you know, managed to come up with a way to repel them uh, and and put up this tower. And the tower's grown, you know. The tower has grown over generations, but- yeah. They're also they're reaching the limit of their power, and they so ha- I'm I'm starting to wonder in this particular um in this particular world, like they obviously brought a whole heap of different seeds, you know, to try and cultivate like mm-hmm. um different different um different plants around here. I'm kind of thinking that the only thing that that took were like citrus plants, okay, because. Um, you know, because of the acidity of maybe the environment and that sort of stuff, it was only the the acidic sort of lemons and limes and stuff that could actually uh, grow. So a lot of the stuff that you you grew up loving was you know the lemonade and that sort of stuff, but you really didn't enjoy you know the other sorts of food that the um that the local plants had to had to offer. Like it always felt like you weren't supposed to be eating this stuff, right? Yeah. Like, it always felt alien to you. And to find out that it is actually literally alien to you is actually kind of- Yeah, like know, a bit of a, a revelation. Cathartic. Yeah, I think I think this is then a story of- Well, so where do we take it? Do you think these jobbers are actually intelligent? Um, I think there's- Or do we keep them as kind of mindless I don't think they're mindless. Enemies. I just think that they're, um, you know, a, a little bit more primitive. So, okay. so they're if they were left alone for for a couple more millennia to to stew a little bit more, then yes, they would have become <laughs> the um the intelligent you know, race they, on the they, planet. They would have become the intelligent race on the planet. But you join you sort of coming to the planet has actually disrupted kind of changed yeah. disrupted their. Because I'm just trying to think what happens then when you so you find this out and you decide essentially, all right, fuck this, I'm going beyond the horizon of this thing. Um, For some reason, in my head, I'm sort of, I'm sort of almost seeing that um, maybe the um, what sort of having you go out on this journey is that there's actually some interference coming from something in the future, like basically almost these um, the future occupants of this planet who happen to be descendants of the the jobbers are trying to get you. Trying to get you to figure out this stuff to try and get like, enough information to actually get you off the planet so that they the natural evolution. Can okay, that's happen. an interesting thing. So these the descendants of the jobbers become super intelligent enough that they invent time travel, basically. Yeah. So is there been some disturbance then that's made made it that they need to come back, or did they just discover that that was always in like the the thread of time and that it's like you know a, a it, the the way that time works in this thing is if they don't then come back, then they will never become the people who invented time travel and it'll create yeah. a paradox, essentially. Yeah, it is, it's, a, it's effectively um, in the future, things are starting to disappear as it's kind of like- um, Marty McFly <laughs> style. Yeah, Marty McFly in, yeah. in Back to the Future that 
they start realizing that um, as the colonists start killing like some of the jobbers, right? Effectively, it's it's destroying whole lineages of of people in the future. Okay, and there's I only like that. a certain amount of time before you kill the wrong jobber and the person who, you know, created time travel or who actually stopped- Who actually you know, came this- back to- Yeah, the descendant- the, Yeah, you kill the jobber whose descendant is the one who actually needed, ended up coming back to convince you to have your people leave, essentially. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like that, Dan, because I like the idea that, you know, it's been it's been relatively peaceful for the last- 30 years, but they're going through another expansion phase. And so they're building another uh, level onto the tower, which will essentially push out the range of this repelling we'll Push out force. the hands, yes. Uh, and yes, and- and, and spreads, Expand that rim. spreads the rim of the, of the area uh, just that little bit further. But part <laughs> of that does mean they have to actually, like, go up against the jobbers on the rim. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, essentially they need to stop that expansion from happening, from, from, from reaching completion. Uh, yeah. Now, now I think the, the other reason is that it turns out that like there's something that happened in the past that was saved by these, by these future people. So basically if, if you wipe out all the jobbers, but they, there's like a secondary paradox. Everything, everything sort of gets wiped, wiped out because of, you know, there's already, you know, an evolutionary paradox sort of. Oh, well, maybe, yeah. Well, maybe it's more about you find out through this happening that later on for them, but earlier for you, they came back and did something that like literally let you survive or like your parents survive or something. And so you start disappearing in that same way. And then you have to essentially convince them that you are worth, like, once this all is all done with, I'll stop the expansion, it's fine, but you have to go back to, you know, 20 years ago and save my parents or whatever, you know, or, or like well, you th- had previously done in the timeline. I think what could end up happening is that, you know, there is actually a civilization that um, is foretold by these other people that kind of combines, you know- the off-worlders and the jobbers, mm. and they, oh yeah, okay, they end, they up, working end up working together. To- yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. That'd be cool. That'd be a good ending to that, where you discover that that yes, like that <laughs> that there's actually a <laughs> better is- future than what they're even yeah. they're even seeing by having like. I mean, this is going back to an- this is going to another podcast, which was the Adventure Zone, where they they said that there were two different options at the end of the Balance Saga, and then they chose the third different option. Right, right, right. Yeah, I like the idea that you're choosing the uh, another option that actually that isn't one or the other of-, of these species gets wiped out. Yeah. Essentially, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like the what is it? The mass end of Mass Effect Three as well. Yeah. <laughs> Choose the integration option or whatever it was. Um, that's really cool. Yeah, I like that a lot. That that that's a that's a fun story. I uh, I could see some. I can, some I cool can see stuff the there. gameplay in it as well. Like it, it's sort of like a a cross between like a Far Cry three of being able to walk around and do stuff, as well as you know you're investigating, finding these old tablets and stuff, and it's all about exploration and sort mm. of survival combat, yeah. but not survival in the fact that you got to build shit. 
So it's just combat in the yeah, way. Yeah, it feels you're, a bit. It feels a bit like Firewatch or you know that sort of thing where it's it's mostly a walking sim kind of vibe. Um, yeah, but yeah, you're you're exploring. You're you know you've maybe got some different mechanics in there for for getting through obstacles and different stuff. Oh, I saw a trailer the other day for a movie that's coming out. That I swear, I was watching the side of the trailer. I'm like, this is just Firewatch, the the bloody movie. And then it, you know, it ended up being, you know, some other, yeah. some other thing. But I'm like, they're talking about, you know, oh, the fire season's coming up, and you know, it was sort of someone talking on the radio to someone. I'm like, this is just Firewatch. Like, it's already being done. Like, why are you doing this? Like, it doesn't need to be done. Seems, <laughs> a, bit, seems a bit blatant if it's not a. Uh- a license. But, um, yeah, Trev, what three words do you have for our final one of the night, I think? Uh, franchises formulated swords. Franchises formulated swords. Okay. I mean, I, I immediately go to some sort of franchise blacksmith in medieval or like in fantasy, in a fantasy world where it's yep. like the, the franchised version of your local blacksmith. <laughs> your McBlacksmith. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> McSmithies. <laughs> McSmithies. <laughs> yeah, it's probably the best one we've got. Um, <laughs> and so, is this like a- is this Blacksmithy a, fried chicken? Is, I this, don't know. <laughs> is, is this like an empire building game in a sense of like you're trying to open new franchises in different places? I like places the idea that you start off that you you've you've just opened a McSmithy's um, blacksmith shop, and when you open one of these things, you have to make swords to their oh yeah, that's their the whole point. Yeah. Basically, the whole game is you cannot have any autonomy, like in in what type of swords you actually make. Um, look, this is the new sword that's coming out. It's a broadsword, and this is how it is. It's this long. It's this sharp. Yeah. You know, you can't just add on, you know- You can't, like, change up the hilt and put some jewels on there to sell it for more, yeah. or you can't- yeah. Like, uh, you get in trouble if, if if you start doing that. But the whole idea is that you want to sort of branch out on your own as well while you're doing- and put some of your love into this. So, it's all about how do you keep Ronald McSmithy- um, happy while you're also putting a little, injecting a little bit of your own personality into well, your Well, I wonder, is itself. this a bit more around rising up the ranks of this franchise where you start literally as the, the low level blacksmith who just like dips the swords after the, you know, after the advanced, you know, the, the assistant manager blacksmith has hammered it out or whatever. <laughs> Like, you're the one that just dips it in the water and you have to do it at the right speed or it'll crack or whatever, but- uh, Or you'd have to do it fast enough or something. Yeah. And so, you go through, you know, a few rounds of that's what you have to do, but then you get promoted, right? You do it well enough, you get promoted. Now, you're on the next level. Okay, now you've got a hammer. You've got a hammer. You get to, Mm -hmm. you know, you get to actually fold the metal and hammer it down and fold it and hammer it down. Um or maybe there might be a few levels in between that. I don't know. Maybe you take yeah. over the bellows or the, you know, you're inserting blades into hilts or something. But, and you know, every now and then they'll have a special promotion and they'll start selling axes for a week. <laughs> or special this week, a sword of healing. Heal the thing that you're attacking. Yeah. <laughs> you hack and slice, but you're healing them for, for more damage. Yeah, just, it's, it's for exercise. It's like, just go out and attack people for exercise. They'll heal, be healed right away. Blade of healing. Um, limited time only at a, you know. <laughs> I'm just imagining kind of like the, um, you know, the rock from, um, 
Hello from the yes, magic ta- yeah. tavern. That, the know, healing rock. You, yeah. hit, you get hurt, but then it actually <laughs> it heals you. <laughs> but I think then you, once you rise to the rank of like manager, you've, you're not doing just the grunt work anymore. Now it's a bit more of directing people and making sure like you're managing morale and you're managing, you, you know, a, a bit more around what type of, you know, how many customers you're getting in and maybe, you know, obviously within the, 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 the standards you're setting, doing marketing or stuff. And you do get to start bringing your own thing into it and maybe raising initiatives up the flagpole to like the upper managers, like should, maybe we should do this and get in there. And then eventually you literally get to the franchise view basically where now you're managing multiple franchises and you're making mm-hmm. decisions about the actual products that well, are being sold. That, that's, that's when it gets to blacksmith and beyond. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you manage to expand, expand into you know potion shops, uh, target practice places, because you know there's some synergy there. You set up, you know, you like those axe throwing places are all the rage. So you start, you you know, setting those up as well and selling axes at your McSmithies. Why do I get the feeling that I I want to add like you've got to go out and get the res- get the resources by putting miners on shit. And then, you know, putting, putting the swords through like a, through an automation sort of thing that you're, you're pumping at the swords and, and, you know, smelting them. I mean, them that and- feels like a different game, but that could be good too. Yeah. I do like the <laughs> idea of automating a fantasy, st- like a fantasy style automation game. I haven't actually seen that. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like satisfactory, but for, but for, you know, pub- uh, getting, getting, you know, the better weapons to, to the army that are going off and fighting. But all you're doing is just setting up the automation so you don't have to go and hand make all these swords. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Well, I think you start like with satisfactory. Okay, this is this is a different game. But I, I think, <laughs> you know, like with satisfactory, you do a lot of, at the very beginning, you do a lot of hand making essentially at the like, uh, the, the, your equipment. Um, at, at the forge. At yep. the forge and stuff. But yes, you start being able to automate that, that stuff. And because I just I love the image of of these swords just going off some sort of conveyor I, into a I big pile the, and people yeah, just coming picking off them the up. end of the conveyor into a pile. Yeah, like there's just something about that, and then people coming up and picking up a sword. Like you're continually feeding this pile. Yeah, but <laughs> you've got this wider level, like the the war that's going on, where if you're not providing enough swords or they're not high quality enough or something, then the front lines of the war start closing in essentially and it's like, oh they've oh they've started developing arches. Okay, we need to pump out more shields. Um, you know, to to protect or ourselves. We, we, or- we need to go on the counter offensive. We need to cut down all those trees, feed these logs in here and get, you know, a whole heap of awesome bows out. Yeah. Look, I've I've got an alternate recipe for a for a compound bow. So, you know, it's actually using a, yeah, a so bit yeah, of metal like in there. That, and that, a you, can bit of unlock, that you can unlock things and, and bring in yeah, bring in your different ingredients to get that advantage. Like that there's an actual the first bows visible- have got vines as as like the string and then the latest the latest ones are you know, um, a, a strong like metal sort of. Well, but then I do like the idea. Sort of I do strength. like the idea though of bringing magic into it. Like, I think this is a fantasy world. Oh yeah, and so some of the techniques you're doing are literally like, oh well, we need mana, and we have to pump that from somewhere, or we have to generate it by killing creatures or something, right? Like. There's there's that level of thing in there, which you can then also automate. Um, oh, I'm just imagining like way. this huge mana pool that you can put like mana extractors in, and you know it's pumping them out, and then it, you can combine it with other other like herbs and shit that you can. Yeah, you but can- I, I kind of want this all like 
you put in a mana extractor and it's like a fucking goblin up the top just constantly pumping or like you yeah. know turning turning a big wheel that pulls it all out um <laughs> it it's like um you know power isn't one of these things that you have to worry about what you have to worry about is enough food to feed the goblins yeah to feed like, yeah exactly who are all so, running so what running you got on is you got a conveyor belt that actually runs down like the food for the goblins, and they're they're all happy. Sorry, and I love that the conveyor belts are literally powered by like you can power other other goblins. Yeah, <laughs> turning things like so you can you can run, and you'd have to make it a fair length of of conveyor that you can run off a single goblin. But yeah, it takes <laughs> they're they're, your, they're part of your resources. They're sitting there turning <laughs> turning things. Uh, I, don't, I like that. I like that combination of a of an automation game with actual like sort of real time strategy or, or like or survival, or survival sort of yeah, like a you- town like a town sim sort of thing, where it's like oh yeah, like yes, you're automating all these conveyors and stuff, but like they still have to go and sleep, and if you don't have a night shift, like your your whole automation shuts morale down. morale's gone down. Yeah, like- yeah, like you have to you have to set up fucking lanterns and stuff and that is a risk of burning down your whole section or now once you get enough mana then maybe you can actually hire wizards and they can they can use their magic to actually get a whole heap of things going all at once but you know a wizard can only control so many different things at once and he can only work for like uh union laws say that they can only work for six hours a day so you gotta find four of them and you got four shifts of wizards there yep yeah, but they they each get an hours hours break for lunch, so you got to have goblins <laughs> that can come in and do stuff. <laughs> I do like that idea though of yeah, of very much and like satisfactory with the different tiers. That like yes, initially it's just grunt work, goblins physically moving things, and then it does slowly start moving up to no, oh, initially it's you doing that. Well, yourself, you doing like- it, yeah, but. <laughs> <laughs> But as you bring on more people, it's like, okay, yes, now you can replace 20 goblins with one wizard, essentially, within a particular area. But then there become other resources that they need or, um, you know, maybe you can stock up on energy, po- like particular potions that they need another ingredient that, that mean your wizards can work two shifts. They can work double shifts. Well, to, ke- to keep their magic levels up, you've got to make sure that you're pumping them full of magic mushrooms. So, yes. you know, then you got to, then you got to set your goblins up to, to do like, well, I think like you've a, got, I think maybe a magic got, mushroom factory, I think maybe you've so- got farming. Yeah. I think maybe you've got farming. I haven't seen a lot of automation games that bring farming into it but where well because when you think about it like um you can you can mine shit and all that sort of stuff but how do you clear a forest and get continual wood for archers that's what i mean you gotta you gotta pay for for like the peons from from world of warcraft to come and cut down all your thing and then you got your miners that go down into the and and get your gold that you can use to pay for these things but i think you need because you need to union rules again you you know they set picket lines up and all this sort of stuff and you can't i'm picturing you can't have yeah i'm picturing this as a real mix (laughs) between get in and (laughs) picturing this as a real mix between satisfactory something like um Shit, what's that? I don't know. Anyway, the, the more town-based sim sort of things. There's one in particular I'm thinking of that I can't remember. Um, and like World of- and, Oh, not World well, of Warcraft, like, but Warcraft 2. <laughs> well, aspects of that, but like Frostpunk. Did you ever play, play Frostpunk? You, that was- A lot of that was about making these difficult decisions. 
um, of, you know, do you bring morale down by, like, burning the bodies of the people or do you, you know, bury them to, to because that will make the people happier, but it takes up space and needs heat mm-hmm. and different things. So, maybe you don't go quite to that level, but I'm thinking, yeah, like, you can choose to work your, your wizards harder, but then they might strike and- and, you know, your whole automation shuts down. And meanwhile, the front lines of the war are closing in on your big sort of, you know, world map. Or, or I don't know if you've got a world. Yeah, you've probably got a world map. But I think you also get updates from messengers coming in, right? Like yep. you get ravens come through and that's how you get updates of like, oh, they've started using, you know, bows and arrows or whatever. Yep. Um, that's and, awesome. And that's, that's kind of like your tears and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just as you're finding, like, a new type of metal that you can now use and combine together to make, you know, um, swords faster, like, that's when they start, oh, (laughs) this group has moved over to firearms. It's like, oh, shit. (laughs) You you do a full-on civilization. Oh, my God. Can you imagine having to do an automation game through, like, multiple ages like that, essentially, multiple technology levels? It's like, oh, we're up to tier 73. (laughs) Jet fighters. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we're up to tier 83 laser fighters yeah now we're building lasers now they're tie a- fighters <laughs> and x-wings <laughs> laser swords <laughs> this doesn't make sense why is the you know the technology further on less impressive than the technology from earlier on <laughs> <laughs> no, right. that, that that to me is one of my favorite ideas that we've come up with because it is something that we both would enjoy playing and that literally does not exist out there yet i like- think i think i really yeah just the base idea there of bringing the kind of people management stuff into an automation game is is really fun i feel like that's something that that could be explored. and even though like and i've said this before like Really, what Satisfactory offers doesn't usually fit into what I like doing, which Mm -hmm. is more action-oriented stuff. But then again, there's a lot of exploration and stuff like that in there. Like, yes, you got to think a little bit about the mathematics, but it's all about the exploration, finding new recipes. Yeah. And I think the people aspect would actually help that even even further. Yeah, for sure. Well, and and I mean, because you could do things like, oh, maybe you can send out scouts to, like, get some more. So, you you know- well, you still- you can just go off and explore yourself, but you've got the option to, like, you know, reveal parts of the map to see where different resources are or something that you can then yeah. go and get. Yeah, I think the, the thing- the only thing I've come that's sort of seen that seen that sort of comes close is in Oxygen Not Included- there is a lot of auto- a lot of automation stuff in that, but it's not the focus. The focus is really on the the sort of people management stuff and building them the buildings that they need and digging stuff out and whatever. Um, it's more that late game you get automation. Um, cool. Whereas, yeah, obviously something like Satisfactory is it's much more of a focus. All right. Well, we went a bit long there because we got excited in that last game, but uh, we're going to leave it there. Blacksmiths and beyond. I think that's what we call it. <laughs> so, thanks again for joining us this week on BitStorm. If you want to leave us a review, listen to our previous episodes, just check out other stuff we've done, go to podchaser.com slash BitStorm. All of our stuff's up there. Check it out. Uh, and we'd also like to thank Kuridas for the use of the song Mount Defines of the Album Containment Failure. That's right. So, thank you for joining us again this week on BitStorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Travis Scott. Tortoise! Tortoise! Tortoise!